Hey, this is Brent Ingersoll from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. I want to talk to you today about fourth man faith. Uh, I'm, I'm one of those, I'm kind of in between a series and Christmas. So I always feel a little nervous when somebody says, yeah, just preach whatever you want. Because I'm like, are you sure? Like, what, what, whatever I want. Uh, and so uh, I want to talk about fourth man faith, uh, the only kind that will last. And it's, it's kind of a classic, it's, it's like a classic Bible story. And the great danger of that is that so we're like, oh man, like we, we did that story when I was a kid in Sunday school. I kind of know everything about that. But I think that there are some, I think that there are some things uh, here in, as adults, uh, most of us in 2023, that, that God has for us out of Daniel chapter 3. It's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, uh, and so, uh, as we look at the basic as we look at the basic story, as we look at, uh, I'm going to kind of work our way through it, but as we look at, at the basic story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we have, uh, we have the king, Nebuchadnezzar, who is, he has uh, built a giant golden statue on the, on the plains of Dora, a giant golden statue, and uh, and. The instructions that he's invited all of the important people uh, to come and to uh, to be there for the inauguration of this of this statue of gold that probably looks a little bit like him, and uh, and then the the instructions are there's like a there's like a big band there it's a big celebration and the instructions are like everybody from the the highest to the lowest person everybody needs to fall. When they hear the band cranking up, they've got to fall down in front of that golden statue and, uh, and, and worship the statue that's been, that's been set up. And, uh, and so this, this is the, the basic scene of the story, and, uh, and it presents a problem for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because because they are uh, they are, they know according to their faith that they can't bow down to anybody but the one true God, and uh, and so so uh, it's a to to kind of sum up in in Daniel chapter three and the punishment the punishment for anybody that doesn't bow down is to be thrown into a into a the the fiery furnace right, and so. So we've got uh, a large, a large image uh, with a really loud soundtrack, and there's uh, there's powerful political pressure to to fall to fall in line uh, because all of the important people are there, and uh, and everybody's got to fall in line with the values that this is presenting, and there's there's an incredible peer pressure. Uh, from the masses, like uh, like everybody is going to do this, and if you don't do it, you are going to stick out like a sore thumb. And most of us like to be liked. Uh, and on top of that, there is the there is this there is a very tangible punishment 
of, of being killed and being thrown into the fiery furnace. And uh, how many of you know that uh, people, if you, don't, if you don't worship what people want you to worship, they can get a little mad sometimes. Have you ever noticed that? If you have different values, uh, they can get a little bit mad at that. And uh, so, so I, uh, as I was digging into this, uh, as I was digging into this, I, I discovered, I was trying to think, like, what, what music did they play? What, what did they play that was, like, so compelling that everybody would fall down below the golden statue? And, uh, and so I found this ancient Babylonian song that, was, that experts say was probably the one that they, then that they played. I, th- I think this is it. Now, that, that's called comic relief, okay? That was, that was uh, I, I, I chose that because, because if you go into a guitar store and you play that, uh, everybody will immediately fall on your, their knees and beg you to stop <laughs> playing it because it's like, it's like the, the first song everybody learns when they're, when they're 13, like on the guitar, right? And uh, so, but, but seriously, like I wanted to put a little comic relief in uh, because... What I'm going to talk about is, is fairly serious. But, uh, so a large image, a loud soundtrack, powerful political pressure to fall in line, peer pressure from the masses, a furnace of blazing fire. Does any of this sound like today? Do you think, uh, do you think that it might be possible that, uh, that we are kind of living in, in Babylon? We don't live in a Christianized culture anymore. Uh, we, are, we are presented with uh, certain ideas and images that we're supposed to give fealty to, that we're supposed to like bow down to, and sometimes these things are hostile to our faith. And uh, in, in, in Daniel chapter 3, uh, you know, the king sa- in verse 15, the king says, what God is there? Like, I'm putting up this God. What God is there who can rescue you from my hands? He's saying, he's saying what I'm doing is more, it's, it's more powerful than anything that you have to offer. And so it's a, it, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in a culture that is very, very challenging to their faith. And I don't know if I'm the only one. I don't know if, if you feel it. But it feels like we live in a time that is, is very challenging to our faith. And, uh, and there's a tendency for, for uh, Canadians and, uh, and Christian Canadians sometimes to like, to like I just want to go along to get along. I just want to love everybody and not cause any trouble. And, you know, that's kind of like the, the Canadian way. Uh, but there are moments when we can't go along to get along. There are moments when we, when we have to take a stand. And, uh, and uh, Babylon culture, there were, there were two things going on. There were, in Babylon culture, there was the pressure of spiritual conversion. 
Like you have to change your ideas about who God is. You say God is this, but God is, is really this. There is, there is the pressure of spiritual conversion, and then there was pressure of sexual perversion, which is also kind of rampant in our society. There's a, there's a, right now, I think there's a, there's a Hamas, a violent spirit, that, like an angry spirit that has been released, and there's also a, a spirit of, of a sexuality that goes outside of the bounds that the Bible lays down for us. And, uh, and being a Christian, being a Christian doesn't just mean loving what God loves. It also means hating what God hates. And there are some things in the Bible that God says, like, I hate this. And that can immediately turn people off. But I think what, I think God hates what harms us. That's, what, that's why God is so, is, is so strong against sin, because He hates what harms us. He hates what harms His people. And He will not tolerate the twisting of the truth into lies, because He knows that lies enchain us and put us in bondage, and He knows that truth sets us free. And, and so, so there is a battle for truth in our culture right now. And, uh, and when the church tolerates, sin celebrates, Satan dominates, and society deteriorates. And that is, uh, that is the battle that is going on right now, isn't it? That's, that is the world that we live in. Uh, all the images might not be golden statues set up, uh, you know, in, in Quispam Sis somewhere, but there are a lot of images that are thrown at us and, and, and we're, we're strongly, strongly pressured to, uh, to, to if, we do, if not give in, at least tolerate uh, these, these images that are, that are contrary to our faith. And so, here are some pressure points. Here are some pressure points for Christians. This is this. The next five minutes are the five minutes that could get me into a lot of trouble. Okay, but I've got to say it because it's true. Uh, false religion. We have people. We have people all over the world in, in the streets. You know, yelling. Allahu Akbar, which means like, our God is greater than your God. And you know what my reaction is to that? No, he isn't. No, he isn't. Jesus is the one true God. That's what the Bible says. And, uh, and, and your version of God, there's a lot of different versions of God out there. Uh, but, but no, your, your, God isn't, your God isn't greater there is the, the, the pressure point of, of, of all the gender confusion that is going on in our society and, uh, and the pressure to, the pressure to uh, you know, people come up to me sometimes and they say, like, are you affirming? And I say, I affirm everything the Bible affirms, but I can't affirm anything that I don't think God affirms because that would be wrong. It's not... if. if it's not right for me to tolerate what God will not tolerate. It's not right for me as a Christian to affirm what God, 
will not affirm. There's, there's a faulty psychology that is dominant in our culture where, where we've, we've kind of normalized. Now, I know that there are real, uh, there are real cases of, uh, of, of anxiety and depression and, you know, all those psychological things that do need, that, uh, do need medical attention. They, they, do need, uh, they do need medicine and, and chemicals and, and all that kind of stuff. But there is like, a, in our culture, we've kind of made it normal to be, to be anxious all the time. We think that's normal. And it's like, no, it's not. Like, God has something better for us than that. The God that we serve, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He can bring peace into our lives. Someone said to me one time that they were like, you know, I think, I think every Christian needs to be in counseling. And I was like, I agree, but I kind of think that God sent a counselor already named the Holy Spirit. And like, I don't like have a problem if, if you feel like you need to go to a counselor, go ahead. But, uh, but I'm, I'm doing okay because I, I have a different counselor. And, uh, and I've found, you know, through experience that he's the best counselor of all. And, and sometimes, I don't mean this about all counseling, but sometimes, sometimes we just run and talk to each other rather than talking to God. And talking to God is what we really need. Talking to God is what we really need. There is a, there's faux spirituality. There's, there's different versions of, uh, of Jesus kind of out there in the culture. And we've got to stand strong with the biblical Jesus. Like who the Bible says that Jesus is. And, and not, not make him over in our image. Because he sometimes can make us uncomfortable. The whole idea of being a Christian is, here I am, God, I'm a mess. Make me over in your image. And, uh, and uh, there is a fallacious fel- justice. There is a false kind of version of justice uh, that's running around our culture that, uh, you know, is, is basically a mask for hate. Like, the, uh, like justifying things like anti-Semitism and, and things that just, just are wrong and just shouldn't be. Like there is, there is no justification whatsoever uh, for, uh, for killing civilians, no matter what has been, no matter what the past is, uh, you know, where there is... There's these false versions of things out there that as Christians, we have to say, like, that's not what the Bible says. Like, the Bible is ancient wisdom, and I'm voting with that rather than uh, just the stuff that's floating around the culture. And then fraudulent finances. Sometimes uh, I think think Satan loves to get us in debt because then we have all of these chains on us where we can't really obey God and what he wants us to do. And, uh, and, and we're, in our culture, we're kind of discipled in debt. So, uh, I'm, what I'm advocating here is, is what I call like a little Jesus jihad, okay? Now, Jesus jihad is different than the common version of jihad. Jesus jihad is 2 Corinthians 10.5. It says, uh, you know, it's a little aggressive, but it says... We, we, don't, we don't hurt people. People are not our enemies. Like the, the, we, we fight against false spirits and we fight against 
false ideas. That's where our battle is. It's not against people. We don't hurt people. But in 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says, we demolish arguments and every pretension. You think of that golden statue. Like, what a pretension, pretending to be God. Every pretension, or some versions say, high things that set itself up against the knowledge of God. And so, so there are all these pressure points for us to compromise, aren't there? And to just like, to, to kind of back off and, to, and, and, to, and to, not, to not speak the truth. And uh, I know we've just come through, uh, through that series where, uh, you know, ask me about Jesus. I think some of you wore the shirt and nobody asked you. Because if it's uncomfortable for us to bring up Jesus, imagine how uncomfortable it is for a non-Christian to walk up and go, oh, by the way, yeah, Jesus. I mean, some people will do that. Uh, But sometimes you need to tell people about Jesus even when they don't ask. Even when they don't know that they need Jesus, like we need to speak the truth in love. And, uh, and so these are all pressure, let's face it, these are real things. These are pressure points for us. And uh, what we need is, uh, you know, as the, as the story continued on, they, Shadrach, you, you know, the band cranks up. Uh, they're, they're playing like Smoke on the Water or maybe the ancient version of like Smoke, smoke uh, in the Furnace or whatever it is. And, and, you know, and everybody goes to their knees like, and then there's these three, there's three young Hebrews just kind of standing up. And, uh, and I think, I think we, need a, we need a not going to bow. Like, even, uh, even if he doesn't, fourth man kind of faith. I think we need, we need a, a faith like that. Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were very polite. They almost seemed Canadian. They're like, the king, you know. Uh, they, they address him very, very respectfully, uh, you know, and, and they say, uh, you know, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, we, 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 uh, we apologize. We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. But if you happen to throw us in the fiery furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us. And then I love this line, but even if he does not, even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, being polite, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. And the, and the translation there is like, we're, we're not going to bow. We are not going to bow to these false spirits and these false ideas like, if we have to stand out, we will, will stand out. And uh, we need that, that fourth man uh, not going to bow, even if he doesn't, kind of faith, because, uh, because Jesus is real, and Jesus is in the fire with us. In the story, they, they throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace, and it's interesting because in the, this, this is, I really did study the Hebrew in this one, okay? In, in the Hebrew, it says, it says 
in the story that, that they fell into the fiery furnace. And that, that word that's fell there is the same word, exactly the same word that's used in, to, in you, like you must fall down before this golden statue. So what happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they, as they fall into the fire, guess who is in there? It's Jesus. It's a, a Christophany, uh, which is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus. Like uh, be, before, before he came to earth and took on bodily form, it's, a, it's an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. And, uh, and they're, they're not falling down before the statue, but when they get in the fire, they're certainly falling down, not because the flames are overcoming them, they're falling down because they're encountering God right in the middle of the fire. And, uh, and the king, he doesn't know any other way to express it, but the king is like, look, I see four men. Like, didn't we throw three in there? I see four men walking around in the fire, and one of them looks like a son of the gods. That's the only way he can express it. It wasn't a son of the gods. It was the son of God in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, I found, like, through experience that God takes us through more often than he just rescues us out. Let me say that again. I found through experience that God takes us through the fire more often than he just like kind of reaches down and takes us out. And uh, I, think, I think the fire, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I think the fire, uh, the pressure in our society is only going to increase. I think we, we, have, we are post-Christian, and I think the pressure to compromise is only going to increase, and, and we, need the, we need the response of uncompromising faith. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image you have set up. The translation there is like, we're not going to bow. We don't bow to anybody but Jesus. It's only Jesus that we bow down before. And I think that uncompromising faith is, is the kind that's, that's going to last. There's a, there, there's a slide of, a, of, a, of August Landmesser. He's a, a, a kind of be this guy. It's, it's, it's 1936. He's in Germany. He's in a shipyard. And, uh, and everybody else, he has a Jewish girlfriend. And he's not drinking the Nazi Kool-Aid. And uh, everybody else in the picture is, is, is kind of doing the salute, and he's just standing there. And everything on his face is just like, I'm not buying this. Not going to bow. That's, that's who we need to be. That's who we need to be in the culture sometimes. We are called to live differently in the midst of Babylon. 
We are the counterculture because we're the Jesus culture. We recognize that His presence in all circumstances allows us to respond differently than the culture. His presence in all circumstances allows us to respond differently than the culture. Now, I spent, uh, I spent a lot of years in, in youth ministry, so sometimes I, sometimes I, I, do, little, uh, I do little things that, uh, you know, that you don't normally do on a Sunday morning. This is, if this balloon represents a life, um, you know, and, uh, and, and, and there's fire and heat and, and kind of pressure on it, and, and this is just the average person that, that doesn't have a lot going on, doesn't have God inside, what happens is, like, as, as, as the heat and the pressure and the fire comes, like, they have no choice but to give in. They have no choice but, like, the, the, balloon, the balloon pops. Now, in uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, had, they had the presence of Jesus with them, tangibly with them, in the fire. As, as New Testament Christians, we have the spirit of Jesus inside of us. And, and the, the Bible often uses metaphors. The Bible uses metaphors of water to talk about the Holy Spirit uh, and the Spirit of Jesus. And, uh, and this, balloon has, this balloon has cold water in it. And so uh, it's just kind of one of those things. It's like you can, uh, you can like hold, hold the, the fire. I've, I've held like the fire under a balloon for like up to four minutes and the balloon will not pop. The balloon is able to withstand the heat and the pressure and the fire because what's inside is stronger than what is coming from the outside. And we have Jesus living in us. Hello, we have the Spirit of God in us, and, uh, and that allows us, His presence inside is stronger than the pressure outside. Can I get an amen? His, his, his presence inside is stronger than the pressure that is coming from the, from the outside. Uh, about, a, about a week ago, Colleen and I, we, uh, we attended a, a 90th birthday party for Charlene McKenzie. It was at another church uh, across town in St. John. And, and as, we pulled up, as we pulled up to the church, like the parking lot was full. And, uh, and as we walked in, Charlene, she's 90 years old. She has Parkinson's. She's sitting at the, at the front of the church in a wheelchair. And the church is packed out with all kinds of different people of different ages. And, uh, you know, and they're all there for one reason. They're all there because Charlene has impacted their life in some way. Charlene has every reason in the book to be a victim. She was, uh, she was, an, she was an unwanted pregnancy. Uh, back in a time when that was like a, a really shameful thing. And so she was adopted by, uh, by a Christian evangelist and his wife. And, uh, and as, as, uh, as, she was, as she was growing up, uh, you know, kind of 
kind of learned the gospel through her adopted mom and dad, got married, had children. Two of her children died uh, young very, very tragically. One was one had a disease that was so rare that there was only a couple of people in Canada who suffered from it, and she died very young. Another was uh, like a Christian singer, and he died in a plane crash as he was going to sing for the Lord. She had all kinds of obstacles, all kinds of hardships, all kinds of heat and pressure in her life. And uh, the amazing thing, though, you know, and, and then as she got older, she was diagnosed with, with Parkinson's, you know, and it, and it took away a lot of her physical motion and movement and stuff. And like through all of that, as we watched her, it's like this lady just has incredible, like where does she get the strength? And she would tell you that she gets the strength from the Jesus who lives inside of her that has been there in every fire that she's had to face. She is, she is the lady that led uh, Colleen to Christ many years ago. I would not even be standing here if it wasn't for the witness of Charlene McKenzie. And as we watched her there in that room at, at age 90, everybody I talked to said, like, we thought it was only us. She calls Colleen once a week. And says, what can, I pray for? what can I pray for you guys? And, uh, and every person I talked to was like, Charlene calls us once a week to pray for us. She's 90. She's got Parkinson's. She's living in a nursing home. Her ministry has not stopped. She's there on the phone like all day, all day long. She called Colleen recently and said like, Hey, I just led one of my caretakers to Jesus, and I'm about to baptize her in my room with a bottle of water, right? And, uh, <laughs> and I thought to myself, that is a picture. That is a picture of uncompromising faith. There is something in that lady, like when you meet her, you're like, I want that. That's what I want for my life, Right? And, uh, and that something is, is the, the spirit of Jesus. And the good news is this. The fire that Satan intends to burn you can become the fire Jesus uses to refine you. The fire that Satan intends to burn you can become the fire that Jesus uses to refine you. The king calls out Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's a miracle. There's not, like, there's not even the smell of smoke on them. There's no evidence whatsoever that they have been through a fire. And, uh, and then it says that the king looks on, and in verse 29 he says, For no other god, no other god can save in this way. Like, your god is stronger than the God of that golden statue. And then it says in verse 30, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. They come out unbound and unharmed. So for a lot of you, this message just kind of falls into, 
into the category of encouragement. Like somewhere down the line, I'm going to face a fire. I'm going to be in it. And, uh, and, and I just need to remember that the presence of Jesus is there, that there's another one in the fire with me. Uh, but, but for some of you, for some of you, it's kind of like, if I was really honest, no matter what I look like on the outside, I'm actually in the middle of a fire in my life right now. Like, I feel, I feel that pressure, like, right now. And, uh, and I just want to say to you, like, God is faithful, and He will bring you through it. He may not rescue out of it right, right away, but He will bring you through it, and you will be stronger on the other end than when you went in. Triumph is on the other side of tribulation, and destiny is on the other side of adversity when we're following Jesus. There's a time for bowing and there's a time for standing. And uh, I, think, I think now is the time for the church to stand and to say, here we are. This is who we are. This is what we're about. We're all about Jesus and, uh, and what He can do in our lives. And so as we, as we close today, uh, for those of you that are, I, I wasn't really planning on doing this, but I really feel like I, and we are going to have like some prayer teams for specific things later, but, but I do want to pray for, for anybody who is in the fire today. You know, like you're right in, like you're like, I'm in the fire and I know it. And I just, I need, to, I need to feel the presence of Jesus there today in, in the midst of that. And so I want to pray for, for you particularly as we close. And then, uh, and then Pastor Andy will come up and we'll call out some things and, and have, have people at the front for prayer as well. But if you're, if you're like, maybe I'm way off on this. Maybe like everything's going great. But if you're in the fire today... I'm just going to ask you to stand so I can pray for you right now. If you're, if you're like, I am in the middle of a tribulation, a trial, a fire in my life, like if you just want to stand right now, I'm going to pray for you uh, be, before we close our service. Is there anybody that would just take a stand for Jesus right now and say, I am in the fire? Let's give you a minute to stand. Yes. Let me pray, for those who are standing, could, could some people around them just like gather around them and just, I know we did this last week, but there's something about supporting one another in prayer. It's very powerful. If you could just fi- find those people that are standing up uh, and, just, and just gather around them, lay a hand on them. And if everybody else wants to stand as well, I'm going to say a prayer for those who are in the, in the midst of, of the fire right now. Jesus, thank you that, that you are the fourth man, that you're there with us in everything that we face in life, in every circumstances. Like you are, you are stronger than what's coming at us from the outside. And God, you have, you have seen those who have stood today. 
They're just, they just took a, they took a stand and said, this is where I'm at. I'm being really honest and, and I can, I can feel the flames and I need, I need to feel your presence right now, Jesus. And so, so we just want to pray for them right now. God, would you give them the peace that passes understanding? Would you give them the peace that doesn't come from all the circumstances magically changing, but that comes from your presence inside of us right in the middle of our circumstances? Would you give them that peace today, God, as they walk out of here? And, and God, for the rest of us, would you help us to be brave and bold enough to stand for you when you call us to in, uh, in the midst of a, of a culture that is sometimes hostile to our faith. We pray all this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.